the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. It says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of the time had come, when the, when the time had fully come, or the New Living Translation says, at just the right time in human history, God let that arrow fly, and he sent his son into the world. Do you have something that you were waiting upon the Lord for? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he encourages you with the reminder that God's timing is always perfect. The Lord knows the desires of your hearts and the promises you hold close. Keep surrendering your life to Him and wait expectantly for Him. Pastor Dan teaches you that God moves at just the right time. The Father sent His Son Jesus into the world at just the right moment. He can be trusted to move the mountains in your life too, in His perfect time. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Isaiah 49, if you want to turn there in your Bible for me. We're also going to look in several passages in the Gospels, probably going to hit all four of the Gospels. So if you want to go ahead and and mark Matthew. Well, we are coming into the section of the book of Isaiah where Jesus is depicted as the suffering servant. And as we move through this section and we get closer and closer to Isaiah 53, Jesus as the suffering servant will come more and more into focus. If you flip over to chapter 53, just a couple pages to the right in your Bible, if you look at verse 3, speaking of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is to come, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. And so Jesus, the suffering servant. And that, that's the section that we're in in Isaiah. And remember, Isaiah was written more than 700 years before the birth of Christ. And yet it has these remarkable prophecies 
in it, describing the ministry and the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins, all depicted in Isaiah. And we've said this several times in our Isaiah study, but prophecy like this is unique to the Bible. You don't find prophecy in any other writings or any other religious books. You find it only in the Bible. And prophecy demonstrates the divine inspiration of the scriptures. Uh, There's hundreds of prophecies in the Bible describing the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Just hundreds of them that were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Uh, So we come to that now in chapter 49 where it's, it's, it's talking about this Messiah who is to come, this Savior who is to come, and it's all fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. So here the Lord begins by calling to the coastlands or the Gentile nations. In Israel, in the ancient world, in Israel, the Gentiles lived in the coastal area along the Mediterranean Sea in the coastal plain. And so the coastlands are associated with the Gentiles. And so here God calls to the nations of the world and he calls to the nations of the world to tell them about the Savior he will send into the world to bring salvation to the whole earth, not just the Jewish people, but to all of mankind. In fact, if you look down at the end of verse 6, the last sentence in verse 6, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. And so it's not just for the Jewish people. This is a savior for the whole earth, for the whole world. And of course, this is speaking of Jesus Christ. Again, in verse 1, he says of this Messiah, this savior, he says of him, the Lord has called me. From the womb, from the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of me by name. And so this Messiah, when he comes again, he's writing 700 years before the birth of Christ. We know who he's talking about. But when this Messiah comes, the prophecy here is that God will call him by name while he's in his mother's womb before he's born. And of course, if you remember the Christmas story. You remember from Luke chapter one, when the angel appears to Mary to tell Mary that she would have a child and that which is conceived in her that will be conceived in her will be from the Holy Spirit. And in Luke chapter one, verse 31, the angel says to Mary and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And so the angel told Mary before the child was even conceived that she would have a son. And the angel called the child by name, saying his name will be Jesus. Over in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter one. Remember when Mary told Joseph, whom she was betrothed to, engaged to, that she was with child. Joseph didn't believe her story at first. And Joseph was considering divorcing her. But he wanted to do it, you know, secretly, it says privately, because he didn't want to make a public example of Mary. He loved Mary. Uh, And it says in Matthew chapter one, verse 20. But while Joseph thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her 
is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for, here's why you're going to call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation, or Jehovah is our salvation. And so the angel says, you're going to name him Jesus, Jehovah is our salvation, because he will save his people from their sins. And so before Jesus was even conceived in the womb of Mary, God called him by name, just as God said he would do back here in Isaiah chapter 49, that he would call him from the womb and mention him by name, which is exactly what he did. Verse 2 says, again, speaking of the Messiah who is to come, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 16 says of Jesus that out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And when it says of Jesus that his mouth was like a sharp sword, that means Jesus spoke with power and Jesus spoke with authority, that his weapon was his words. He spoke with a sword. And we see several examples of this in the New Testament, in the Gospels, And I want to look at a few together. So if you want to turn with me over to Matthew chapter 7. Look at some of these together. Matthew chapter 7. At the very end of the chapter. Now, in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, chapters 5 through 7, Jesus delivers what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's his longest teaching that is recorded for us in the Gospels. So he gives this long teaching, this long sermon. And then at the end of chapter seven, after he finishes, if you look at verse 28. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, look what it says, that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. When he spoke, he spoke with authority. His mouth was like a sword when he spoke. And people were astonished. They never heard anyone teach like this. They never heard anyone speak with authority. And if you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said things like, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You know, the the scribes and the rabbis in that day, what they quite often would do in their teaching is they would just string together commentaries from the different well-known rabbis. And never really say anything. And they would just give a bunch of different opinions about a particular passage of Scripture. And say, well, Rabbi so-and-so interprets this passage this way. And Rabbi so-and-so interprets it that way. And they never really said anything with authority. Jesus teaches and Jesus says, this is what the rabbis have told you it means. I'm telling you this is what it means. And he spoke with authority. And they were astonished. Never heard anybody just tell us straight that this is what it means. And give us the direct interpretation of it, just to speak with authority like that. Turn with me over to Mark, Mark's gospel, chapter one. Mark chapter one, again, out of his mouth comes a sword. He speaks with power and authority. Mark chapter one. And uh, this is when Jesus goes to Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. And on the Sabbath day, he goes into the synagogue and he teaches in the synagogue Uh, And if you look at verse 22, it says, and they, those that were in the synagogue that Sabbath day, and they 
were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. His mouth is like a sword. He speaks with authority. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Look at verse 23. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. He's demon-possessed. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. That's right out of Isaiah 49. Demon is quoting from Isaiah 49. He's called the Holy One of God in Isaiah. But Jesus rebuked the demon, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. So he casts the demon out. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him, convulsed the man whom he possessed, and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And look at verse 27. Then they, those in the synagogue, were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? And what new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. What in the world is this? That he commands the demons. What authority. They're amazed at his authority. In his words. That he just tells a demon to go out. And the demon goes out and obeys him. Out of his mouth comes a sword. He speaks as one having a sword. I go to Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Uh, Verse 35, this is when Jesus and the disciples get into a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. Verse 35 says that on the same day when evening had come, he said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now, you have to understand uh, on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, that was all Jewish communities. On the southeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, that was all pagan communities. It was Roman cities over there, the Decapolis. That, to the Jews, that was known as the other side. You don't go over to the other side. That's where the pagans live. And so Jesus here says to his disciples, hey, let's go over to the other side. They don't go over there. So they get in this boat. and says in verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And it says in verse 37, and a great windstorm arose And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. It's filling with water. But he was in the stern of the boat asleep on a pillow. He brought a pillow with him. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care we're going to die in the storm? Look what it says in verse 39. Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. 
and there was a great calm. But he said to his disciples, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? He speaks with authority. Even the winds and the waves obey his words. Out of his mouth comes a sword. Uh, One last example for you over in the Gospel of John. If you want to turn there for me. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And this is when the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Jesus is in Jerusalem at this point. And the religious leaders, they send some of their temple guards to go and take Jesus into custody and arrest him. And so they go to arrest Jesus and then they come back in verse 45, but they don't have Jesus with them. Verse 45, then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees and said to them, who said to them, why have you not brought him? They sent these temple guards to go arrest Jesus. They come back empty handed and they say, why don't you bring Jesus back with you? Look at verse 46. The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. He spoke with authority. He spoke with power. Back in Isaiah 49, if you want to turn back there for me again, Isaiah 49, the prophecy given in Isaiah 49 about this Messiah who is to come that we know is Jesus Christ. Verse two, he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. And we see how Jesus fulfilled that over and over, speaking with power and authority. And then look at verse two again, the rest of the verse in the shadow of his hand. He has hidden him and made me a polished shaft or polished arrow in his quiver. He has hidden me. He says here in verse two, speaking of this Messiah who is to come, that the Lord will hide him away. He's hidden away by the Lord. And you know, the story of Jesus, Jesus lived in obscurity and Nazareth for the first 30 years of his life. You know, the Lord had him hidden away in a carpenter's shop, in some little little village off the beaten path that nobody went to, just living his life there until he began his public ministry. And when Jesus began his public ministry, Luke chapter 4 tells us that he preached in the synagogue there in Nazareth. And what does it say? It says the people marveled at his gracious words that came from his mouth. They marveled at his words. Out of his mouth comes a sword. He speaks with power and authority. They marvel at his words and the people of Nazareth sitting in that synagogue. You remember what they say? They say, isn't this Joseph's son that's been living with us for the last 30 years? Isn't this the carpenter's kid? Isn't this Joe's boy? And now he's standing up in the synagogue and he's speaking with power and he's speaking with authority. And they're marveling at his words as he speaks. But for the first 30 years of his life, he's he's hidden away. Nobody, nobody knew that he was the Messiah, that he was the savior that is to come into the world. Again, over in chapter 53 of Isaiah 53, verse two, it says there of the Messiah, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty or appearance that we should desire him. Isaiah 53, 2 is saying that 
There, there was nothing about Jesus's physical appearance as he's living in Nazareth, growing up there. There was nothing about his physical appearance that was a tip off that he was the Messiah, that he was just a regular person and regular looking. You know, he didn't have a halo around his head. You know, he didn't he didn't float six inches above the ground when he walked. He's just a regular guy. Uh, John the Baptist says, I, I wouldn't have known that he was the Messiah unless I had seen the Holy Spirit descending upon him. Then I knew. So John the Baptist didn't even know growing up with him as his cousin, that this guy is the Messiah. This is the, the promised one from the Old Testament. There was nothing about him that indicated that he's just hidden away by the Lord, living in Nazareth for 30 years of his life before he goes into his public ministry. Again, in verse two, and, and made me a polished shaft or a polished arrow in his quiver. He has hidden me. He, he's a, a polished arrow in the Lord's quiver. And the idea here with that is that God waited until the appointed time to launch the arrow. God waited to a specific time in human history to send the Messiah into the world. It was an appointed time in Galatians chapter four. You don't have to turn there, but in Galatians chapter four, verse four, it says, but when the fullness of the time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of the time had come, when the when the time had fully come or the New Living Translation says at just the right time in human history, God let that arrow fly and he sent his son into the world. And he said to me in verse three, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Now, the context of this chapter, it's speaking of the Messiah. And so here in verse three, when it says Israel, this is a reference to Messiah. It's not a reference to the nation of Israel. The name Israel simply means governed by God. Uh, the nation of Israel did not live up to the meaning of their name. They've been rebellious against God. They're going to go into captivity in Babylon, as we've talked about in recent weeks. But Jesus, the Messiah, he truly was governed by God. He always did the Father's will, not his own will. And it says here in verse 3 that the Father was glorified by the Son, Jesus Christ, in whom I will be glorified. He asked me how I know, and I say That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life 
and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth.